Hello, you're listening to Common Ride with me, a podcast about stunt field shows full of heroes. I'm James Dorrington. We can call me Kip, and I'm your expert. And I'm James Baker. I'm your newcomer. This week, we watch Common Ride Zero One, episode 33, and Project Thouser. And. Shin. Hello everyone, it's good to have you back. Uh, just a quick note, uh, we did change things up slightly this week. Um, currently, Copyright Zero One is going on a um, month-long hiatus, so our plans did change for this and the next episode, but you'll see as we get there. And um, how are you this week, James? Doing pretty good, man. Um, I'm not sure about where you're at, but um, I guess Florida is slowly trying to transition into normal life again. Um, <laughs> it's kind of weird to even say that. But uh, they opened up a couple of beaches. Um, restaurants are able to be occupied. I think it's like 25% capacity and outdoor seating. And I guess we'll see how that goes for the next couple of uh, couple of weeks. But we're calling it phase one. Um, just numbering the phases kind of reminds me of like MCU phase one and phase two. Uh, it's kind of funny to call it that. But other oh, yeah, than that. At the end of two weeks, that's when like Thanos shows up, right? Yeah. So maybe this is like the prelude towards you know, like coronavirus coming back with, you know, all the infinity stones and then we're quarantined for the rest of our lives. But other than that, life's been okay. Um, how about you, man? What you been up to? I heard during every day of phase two, somebody loses an arm. Did you hear that? No, I didn't uh, hear it. Oh, no. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, um, we're also phasing out like here in New York. Um, I don't like it. I think it's too soon. I think it's ultimately just going to make this last longer and hurt more people. I'm optimistic. Like, there's some things where, like, I'm like, yeah, like, I would love to see a movie. Um, but this part of me is like, oh, I'm glad that, like, whatever money happened in Florida happened. Uh, cause, like, I like seeing, like, more live wrestling, but also I'm just kind of like, uh, this isn't worth it. This feels wrong to me. Yeah. I, I do think that certain states should take a little bit more slow, slower than others. Um, I haven't really been looking up into all, like, the facts behind, like, you know, how to get rid of the virus and all this and that. But I've always, I, I keep hearing about like warmer weather kind of kills the virus. So maybe that's why, you know, the southern regions of the United States are kind of, you know, being a sacrificial lambs. That makes any sense. But we'll see how it goes. But, but like speaking of seeing like how it goes, uh, I had a fucking weekend of of absolute failure. Uh, you want to hear about it? Yeah. What, what happened? Um, Me and my girlfriend decided, let's just watch Dragon Ball Evolution, the Netflix Death Note movie and the live action like Taylor Moon show back to back. Why would you do that to yourself? Uh look, we want to support like local businesses like liquor delivery and like takeout. So oh man. You're you're way better than I am. I still haven't seen the Dragon Ball live action. Uh I had to watch the Death Note and I didn't even know there was the live action Sailor Moon one. So what'd you think about each uh each live action version? I think the elephant in the room has to be Dragon Ball because like of all the ones, it has the most like importance, and it it was the one that was trying to be like a big summer blockbuster, and it failed spectacularly. If there's like things that Goku cares about, it's like what like fighting and food and sleeping, basically. Yeah, he doesn't like any of those things. Like he's into like school and girls and all this stuff. 
like it was weird like he's like in high school during it like it like kind of feels more like a sequel to like the fast and furious like tokyo drift rather than like a dragon ball movie oh that's that's horrible i did see i believe it was like two years ago that he that the director is still getting death threats from like fans and like he made like another apology letter like i forget how long ago that movie came out but he made another apology letter of like i'm so sorry i don't know what i was thinking and yeah it sounds like he's going through like you know a lot of backlash from it still it was that bad it's really bad like as like a movie it like gets like most of the characters wrong like it's like it's about a plot line from dragon ball but like half the characters aren't there and like the world's just like very generic it kind of felt like as bad as the movie was i wasn't like offended by it though because there's so much like dragon ball because like every year there's like multiple games there's like multiple series there's specials that aren't canon that are like this weird like let's do like the traffic safety with like krillin special going on so there's like enough dragon ball that yeah, this didn't like hurt the fans as much as maybe like the Death Note movie did. I feel like, mm-hmm. but no, um, like it's just like lots of weird things. Like, turns out Goku's like an ancient demon who came to Earth with Piccolo, and every oh, two thousand years he comes back to life. Yeah, Yamcha's in it. It's like Yamcha, Master Roshi, and like Goku and like Bulma, and that's a weird cast, right? <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't even know what it would take for me to watch this movie. Like, I, I, I refuse. I just can't. Where'd you? Did you stream it somewhere, or do you own it? Uh, I don't own it. I think I, I streamed it. I don't know if it's available anywhere to stream, but I definitely streamed it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pirate. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to spend money on Dragon Evolution. <laughs> I don't blame you. I wouldn't have did that either. For Death Note, though, that one, I feel, hurt the fandom more, because, like, the Death Note fans don't get a ton compared to like dragon ball fans like after that series ended there's been some stuff and like apparently in japan there's like a bunch of live action movies and like a bunch of musicals and stuff but still like they don't get a ton of death note in comparison to dragon ball you know yeah i was uh i was really excited to, when i first heard the news about the uh the death note live action movie especially when it was coming to netflix and even the though they did great yeah and i i think his name is lakeith stanfield I was looking mm-hmm. forward to him being L. You know what I mean? So uh they didn't completely drop the bomb, but I didn't like the movie. Like I wouldn't rave about it. But I am a Death Note Shield, and you're absolutely right about we don't get enough like fan servicey like movies and stuff like that. But um they did make a live action, I think a a drama in Japan yeah. of Death Note. And that was really good. I watched that a couple of years ago and I really did enjoy it. Um I haven't watched rewatched the anime in a long time, but um, the live action one comes to mind and I, I, they did a really good job with the drama series. I'm pretty sure that um, actually um, in the Kamen Rider like double, um, like Philip is in one of those movies. There's been a six movie series. He's like the replacement L in one of them or something like that mm-hmm. to go back to it. But yeah, um, that Netflix movie, it has like um, I love like Shay Wignum. I love like Lucky Stanfield. I love Willem Dafoe. He's perfect. At, like him is like um, has Ryuk, that's like pitch perfect casting. And like, it honestly, I felt like would have been a perfectly fine movie if it wasn't Death Note or if it like was just like set in the universe, but not like trying to retell like the story. Cause it was like just like a dark Netflix original, like 13, like reasons why kind of show of. Right. That's, that's a great way to explain it. And maybe if they did like the, the the last manga series that came out like a couple of months ago, like just come up with their own story, it would have been a lot more successful, but 
I mean, you're going to compare it to the anime no matter what, like without even trying. You could go you could go into it with open mind and hopeful, like hope for the best. But at the end of the day, you can't help comparing it to something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it didn't compare favorably, but also it was like fine as like the kind of movie you would watch like when you want to have like a dumb horror movie on. Yeah. It kind of at the beginning, it kind of reminded me of uh, Final Destination. <laughs> yeah. It like does. all the like over the top kills. I'm like, okay, I'm down for this. But then like as the plot went on, I felt like they started trying to drift back to the source material, which is something that the DBZ movie should have did more of. But actually in this situation, it kind of made the movie worse. So mm-hmm. I guess it's an example of you can't make everybody happy, but you could try to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the last thing I looked at was a live action Sailor Moon show. It's actually on our list at some point, but in no way a priority. It was like a 2003, like, year-long retelling of the first like manga Mm -hmm. so it's just like very it's very like low budget they can't really do stunts because they're like the actual like the actors in costume versus like in like suits so it was just like a very cute little thing i felt like but like it was like maybe like the least offensive of like the whole bunch but um what have you been looking at lately uh recently i i watched the uh (laughs) the new uh What's his name? Chris Hemsworth. Uh, okay, the extraction yeah. film on Netflix. Uh, I watched it for a pod over at Screen Fix. And uh, I mean, for a, next, a Netflix movie, it was really good. Um, but the way they hyped it up, my expectations were, were uh, too high. Um, I guess the guy that directed it is uh, Chris Hemsworth stunt double when he when he's in like the Marvel movies. Um, That's cool, though. Joe Russo uh, wrote it. And it's like, you know, like all the Avengers MCU guys are part of it. But for a Netflix action film, it's really great. But as a blockbuster film, um, I didn't think it was that good at all. Uh, I really felt short. And what I was trying to get across the pod, I was saying, like, it's not fair that Netflix. I love Netflix. I, I, I'm a Netflix chill. But I hate how they want to make an argument about the, their movie quality when it benefits them as far as like Oscar races. But when a movie falls short, it's just, oh, what'd you expect? It's a Netflix movie. You know what I mean? Like, you can't play both sides of, of the fence. And I feel like yeah. a, a film like this should have been a lot more better if they're trying to get into, like, Oscar-nominating conversations. But they went back to the Trump card, like, oh, it's a streaming movie. Like, what'd you expect? But, uh, yeah, I just don't like how they're playing both sides at this at this, uh, at this this time. Yeah, like, that's a bad way to do it. Like, I'm fine with, like, it just being, like, we make movies good and bad mm-hmm. like versus like, this is like a stream movie. Like, don't worry about it. But then you can't like then say consider stream movies like the same. Yeah. Like I'm like fine of saying, okay, um, this movie that like we made is like worthy of an Oscar. And this is like our like ABC family, like original movie one, but like to say, Oh, you can't criticize it because of that. Exactly. Does undercut them a lot. Yeah. And like when it benefits them, they they're all about it. Like, uh, what was the film that came out a couple of years ago? The foreign film that could have gotten an Oscar? Um, it was black and white. I forget the name of it. Oh, I'm, yeah, like I'm blanking on it. Yeah, I'm blanking. Roma. That's what it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great movie. Um, and the one from last year, uh, Mar- Marriage Story. Or Mar- <laughs> Marriage Story. Like when it's like yeah. films like that, they're all about, you know, going to bat for it. But if a film falls short, it's just a regular streaming movie. So, I mean, that's just my rant about Netflix. Um, and the way that they promoted it seemed like it was going to be like a legit, you know, like a John Wick style uh, film. And it does have a lot of good like one take um, 
fighting scenes and yeah, you know stuff like that. But as far as like the plot, and I know you don't really watch movies like that for the plot, but it helps you stay engaged. You know what I mean? But uh, I mean it was okay. I, I'm not gonna you know say go watch it right now, but it was decent. I think that like something we had that like nowadays people might not have is like the okay movie, like the like Joe Dirts of the world, where you're like, okay, <laughs> this is just what I'm watching. It's nothing or it's fine or it's bad even but it's just on like i feel like it's not good to just only watch the best stuff like only make the best like biggest gamble like i liked it there's like small movies or like mid-sized movies and like that's like one good thing about like streaming is that that can happen uh but yeah like it's just not every movie has to be amazing you know mm-hmm. i'm like a big fan of the like not great movie <laughs> yeah they, they don't really make a lot of campy movies like that anymore and even if they do, it'd be like a really great campy movie. Like, uh, um, I'm blanking on every movie that, this pod, but the one that's kind of like super bad, but with females. Oh, Booksmart. Yeah, Booksmart. It's like campy, but at the same time, it's like a altogether good film. You know what I mean? You have like a movie that was like always on growing up or that like you've seen like 40 times and like bits and pieces on the like Comedy Central or something like from when you were like growing up or no? No. No, okay, yeah. Uh, like for me, it was probably something like Joe Dirt, which is like on all the time. Well, now that I think about it, um, I used to like Biodome a lot. <laughs> Biodome, That's a good one. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw it, but this was like my guilty pleasure as a kid. Uh, The Pest with John Leguizamo. I, I fucking seen that, love no. that movie. Oh my god, that was one of my favorite movies as a kid. So fucking random. Comedy was over the top. It was it was great. Um, but yeah, there's a ton of them now that I think about it. One of my favorite movies of like all time growing up was uh, just like a fairly low budget like um, sci-fi like original movie. Like, have you heard of it? It's called um, like Dog Soldiers. It's about like Scottish soldiers versus werewolves. No, that's not great like, though. Dog yeah, soldiers. it was awesome. It's like the perfect movie to like just put on and like be like, wow, this is surprisingly well done. Sounds amazing. Speaking of surprisingly well done, like um, we have marinated and we have like b- been heating up to talk about uh, Kamen Rider Zero One. <laughs> that was a good one. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm working on it slowly. back this week we looked at project thousand part one and common writer zero one episode 33 are my dreams important to you now first off um so there's like a trend with common writer to um they like to do slightly darker or like more mature stuff on the margins like in their movies sometimes like in their like specials and like there's been a trend of the past like few years having like a special that explains the backstory of like a character or some characters um, that might be like a little darker. Like there was one from like two years ago that was about like this person being like experimented on and tortured in prison, for example. And that's like how they like what they're doing between episodes like 15, and like 23 of that show. So this is like what that is like. It's like in three parts to come with each volume of like the like Blu-rays basically. And yeah, um, this is focused on the origin of Common Rider Thouser who is Guy, um, and also has a, a like, um, 
pretty big focus on like Naki, who is uh, the fourth member of Metsubo Jinra, and Pet Peeve, still Pet Peeve. I wish people were better about getting their pronouns right. Like it's a, it's a like big thing to like be respectful both of uh, like the actor and the character. Um, like there are like a lot of like queer fans of like Toku that like are like very happy that like we have like uh right now there's that one character in like Gara versus Road. Uh, there's one character I think in the movie, uh, uh, that in like two or three weeks, like we're looking at for like zero one, and now Naki. But yeah, um, what were your thoughts on Project Bowser? Um, I thought it was okay. Uh, it was a for me, it was like a great recap episode, um, to show like what transpired like early on in the season, and we picked a great time to pick it up. Like Naki was just introduced again uh, these last couple of pods, so it was great to see like what naki is actually about um i thought it would be more guy centric but this ended up being like a naki origin story (laughs) which was okay um and yeah i thought it was decent it wasn't really like amazing or anything but it was a great like recap and an introduction to what naki is and what was going on behind the scenes and uh kind of preluded to what happened to uh fua recently too as far as like you know getting naki inside of his head so decent overall What'd you think? I yeah, like I was kind of worried when I heard about Project Thouser speaking about Naki and Guy that like we wouldn't get a lot about them. Like I was like worried, oh, is Naki just gonna like randomly die to save Fua and not actually get any character time? Is Naki going to just be in this short or like not really like factor into the plot? And I think actually um like I've um watched like a little ahead of where we are this week, but they um do end up um getting into place to, to what seems like being more like plot like integral so yeah like i think um it was cool seeing like the behind the scenes of i'm not so i like to sh- that we saw how guy had his fingers in everything but also i wasn't sure if i wanted him to like be the secret like chess master basically like yeah they keep trying to you know push this whole narrative like guy is always 10 steps ahead of everyone but it- I mean, the execution of the plot really didn't seem like he was controlling the chess pieces on the board. It seemed like, you know, Naki was a double agent the whole time and he just found out about it. It's not like he initially planted Naki to infiltrate Mesabu Jinra. You know what I mean? And like also for like guys getting his ass kicked and also like (laughs) we see in the past few like episodes, like between thinking he had like Naki and also like secretly Fua and also Yua, Guy sure has been losing his like positioning really quick, like in the past few episodes. Like he won control of the company, but then he's like really getting like his ass kicked like every like day basically. Yeah, he's not catching any dubs anymore. Um well I guess we'll talk about when we get to the actual episode, um when we start talking about thirty three. But uh yeah, he's he's not the guy that he hyped himself up to be <laughs> for sure. Yeah, like, I, like, keep calling him, like, a, like, Gendo, because he's just the kind of dude who, like, is like, look at me, I'm so composed and in charge of everything, mm-hmm. and then, like, can't actually deal with anything, just, like, is trying to, like, project it, but, like, how often have we seen him just, like, mad, and, like, his clothes all torn up, and whatever, uh, but yeah, um, so the basic plot here is that, um, once Aruto's grandfather dies, there's a project between Metsubo Jinra 
Zero One and the Ames Riders to collect enough combat information to make the Thouser system. And so we're like seeing like all the fights and like we're seeing like the eight keys on this side and the eight keys on that side like need to be like brought together for that. And it's fun to see like at different points like how Naki's saying stuff like, oh, we weren't expecting like um Burr or like Kamen Rider or like Vulcan to like be used yet kind of thing, you know? That was kind of fun. But then we see um that Naki is talking with um Hirobi and that um what Hirobi is saying, um He's reaching Naki and making Naki consider like what it means that they're a, a tool and that they're like just like double crossing like uh, who would be their friends or like their teammates. What do you think of how uh, Roby was really uh, like the only other character like um, like in this? Uh, I thought they were great. Um, I wish this was actually Project Naki versus, <laughs> you know, Project Thouser. Um, I feel like Naki's story is kind of reminiscent of what's going on with uh Hirobi at this moment mm -hmm. uh just being torn between what you want and what somebody else is telling you to do um for instance Naki has a guy giving him instructions and then he has Hirobi giving him instructions and then he seems that or you know like uh Naki seems to have his own or her own uh you know views of what uh, their own yeah their own dream is and uh Right now, um, in the current episode, you know, Hirobi's still going through that, you know, wanting to be a father for Jin, but also, you know, wanting to do it for the will of the Ark. Those two characters are really great, and they really complement each other a lot. Yeah, because, like, I, I, like, for me, I was very concerned that, like, we weren't actually going to get any character from Naki besides, like, them being, like, a plot device. And, like, with, like, Hirobi, it's kind of been, like, a slow burn, but since, like, the first arc ended and Metsubo Jinra kind of got shut down to like um now how he's like interacting with Jin like except for that like one dude uh that got killed by Fua when he got like assault wolf like they're doing a lot with like the members of Metsubo Jinra that's like really interesting what do you think of how just like it ended with guy shooting Naki with a gun <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was Cowboy very guys like um don't really see him get that angry to like kill one himself he usually gets his minions to do it um it's rare that you see guy actually go through the complete thing but um i can't say it's shocking because we kind of already knew what was going on but maybe if we watched this a little bit sooner it would have been kind of like a shocker but um not surprised uh, yeah and like i think actually um this and when we get to it the movie actually give really interesting like shoulder content and context like it's kind of frustrating it's not in the series but also like we get to find out like a lot about like um the daybreak incident and like aruto's dad from the movie for example so like it's like uh cool that like we're, we're getting at least some of it like in the middle of this and like to give context like in the way that like you can't really in the episode yeah um is speaking of that um let's um like swap over to episode 33 are my dreams important to you so this is um a weird episode because it kind of felt like maybe there was a normal like monster of the week plot going on but then it was actually like a rather important character and like plot episode so what were your thoughts on it james um i thought the same thing uh this episode didn't really pick up until the end of the episode um i don't think the uh love chan you know storyline with with uh Kata could carry a whole episode so i'm kind of glad they grew they threw in you know uh 
Fool were finding out about his past and you were, you know, quitting Ames at the end. Kind of made the episode a lot better. Um, but uh, I did enjoy Love Chen because he was a great reminder that not all human gears reach singularity so easily. Um, we were kind of on a run yeah. of every human gear <laughs> reaching singularity within one episode. So this kind of put a hold on that whole, you know, momentum with that. And it was a great reminder. Um, what'd you think? I did like the excuse um, for like the kid dumping Love Chan was that <laughs> my girlfriend was creeped out. Like that made me think like um, weird, like that, like, oh yeah, like if you like brought like a girl home and you were like, and here's my like tennis coach just hanging out like on the bottom bug. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would probably stop things. What was your reaction whenever guys uh, told Fu that he implanted his memories? Yeah. Um, that was a good twist. I didn't see that coming. They acted the shit out of that scene. Like, so Arto was doing like his like concerned look and um but like and like guy just looks so pleased like he like looked like he just got like a he just got like some like Turkish delight or something it was like just enjoying it and then like Yua looks so upset and the way Fuwa just kind of um goes to his knees like staring in the distance but, like with like one tear going off that was like really good acting on his part too but like those main three in that moment was like, um, they acted like the shit out of it. Something that can happen in Kamen Rider, which I think is happening here a little bit, is that uh, sometimes towards the middle of the show, it just becomes um, like the main character, like the main writer, kind of becomes like a secondary character to like his secondary writer, like who in this case is like Fua. Because it has kind of seemed like we're watching the Kamen Rider Vulcan the past few episodes. Yeah, it does. (laughs) I do like um that they've been like hammering in on like the dreams and like what do you want from life and that kind of angle out of this too cool to see like um how slow for yua she kind of like went through her change how like a normal person might like instead of just like one day having like an epiphany of what she wanted from life she was just like broken down by compromises that like hurt her emotionally until like what she finally does like betray or like um like rebel from guy it's much more like i have principles and this is like a step too far like these have all been steps too far and now this is like the straw like broke my back you know mm-hmm. what do you think about um when we actually got to the end and like um we saw her like for the first time in like nine episodes like transform into a, a like common rider and like actually like fight versus guy yeah, it was really great to see her back in the Kamen Rider Vulcan uh, uni. And uh, like you said, it's been built up over like the course of nine episodes. And we've already predicted that this moment would happen. And for her to actually do it in that fact- uh, fashion when she said, consider this my resignation and punches guy was amazing. That was a great way to, you know, split ways with her. And um, towards the end, it kind of seemed like she was going to go rogue. But, uh, you know, uh, mess with Jinrai stepped up and you know pretty much asked her to kidnap Fua so they could get Naki out but uh I was a little concerned about that because you know she's so easily manipulated so I didn't really know if this was going to be for the better for Fua or this is like another you know trap she's going to walk herself into but I'm just trying to figure out what's next for Guy you know what I mean like he's definitely in a decline if he was a stock I I would definitely sell immediately (laughs) well one really important thing is that um when you introduce a belt that's a gun, you have to have somebody kick and then use the gun while they're kicking to shoot somebody's head. That was the best part of the episode, I think. 
was when she's just like, oh, like I can like shoot somebody with this while I'm kicking them. Perfect. But uh, yeah, um, guy is definitely he's getting his ass kicked. Like he got like punched in the face, like very like um, Draco Malfoy kind of way. Um, and I think um, yeah, um, he no longer has Fu under control. He no longer has like Naki to control everything or like whatever they were doing. And um, Yua, like, there's a point in the episode where he's like, it's your last chance to her. And I was like, dude, like, compared to what, like, the two dudes who, like, get knocked out sometimes before the fight even starts? Yeah. I think that um, it was just weird. Like, I get that, like, part of his character, but also, like, Yua is, like, the best soldier he has, really. So it's weird that he was so against it. And, like, it, it was fun seeing stuff like, um, her coming back to the Abe's van and finding their those, like shells there and like the bodies of like her like of uh, like two guards or whatever. I um was like a little concerned about like the fight because like she's like so many levels behind in power ups, but like they made it work and it was like a really like well choreographed fight too. Yeah, I thought the same thing too. I'm like, how are they gonna pull this off? But um, she she did pretty good. I like same time like um you had. Aruto be completely held off by the two like battle raider and it's like okay what is going on here like I feel like you've kind of like done a bad job at like setting stakes for like a lot of these fights like because they're doing a lot of cool like character and like what a human gear like what are dream stuff and then they like kind of don't have the most like logical fights sometimes like it felt good here seeing like they're like um Comrade Vulcan the Comrade like Valkyrie like they're like combo fighting, like too. Yeah, that was a cool scene. And the line of uh, technology going beyond emotions was, was like cool too, because she also had like a chip in her head. It wasn't as mind controlling; it was more pain, I guess. But so going back to uh, Project Thouser a little bit. So when exactly did Naki enter Fuwa's mind? I don't know when they. Uh, that was kind of well, confusing, enough. right? I think what they were saying was here's where it's confusing. What they're saying in Project Thouser is Naki entered Fuwa's mind when he was in surgery after he got murked by Hirobi. Right. But Fuwa had already had a chip to become a common writer. <laughs> exactly. And he had already been, like, had, like, memories implanted. That's where... Yeah, I mean, now that we're talking about it out loud, maybe he had the chip, but... Yeah, he had the chip, I think, to become a writer. Yeah, he had the chip and the memories, but I guess in order to... Use a salt wolf? Yeah, maybe Assault Wolf was the kicker, because, I don't know. That makes sense, though. I think, I think it was an Assault Wolf, because that, that was his first uh, upgrade after his uh, near-death experience, right? Because that was, um, so he had the chip to be a writer and the false memories was in Ames. Mm-hmm. He gets in massive surgery from being, like, kicked through the throat by, like, Hirobi. That's when Naki goes in. Then later on, he gets the key, which is only supposed to work for Metsubo Jinro. So then maybe, like, because Naki is, like, really close with the arc, they were able to make the key be made for him in order to, like, it's some arc log Kong then? I'm not sure. That sounds right. Or maybe, like, the arc log Kong was because the arc knew about Rampage Gatling and wanted that to get made? I don't know. doesn't really make sense, but it kind of makes sense. <laughs> Sometimes you can tell that um, these shows, like, are being written as they're like made and like there's like a lot of stuff where it like <laughs> kind of fits but not exactly yeah. like flush. That's what that felt like. It'd be interesting to see um how the 
how being on hiatus impacts the show. Because like there's stuff like, oh, in next week's episode, it's a recap of all the Zero Ones fights. And also like you'll find out the origin of the long haired Izu from the opening. It's like, okay, this <laughs> like kind of just seems like you just had to like put some seeds in here to be original. There have been shows that have been like worse affected by like the like uh, like tsunami like in 2011 or like weird writer shifts. So missing a month probably won't change zero one that drastically. Like like we'll probably still get like 45, 46 episodes of it, out of it. Yeah, if you didn't give me a heads up about the hiatus at the end of 35, I'd have been so confused. It's a good little cliffhanger, but yeah, like at the end, we're just like recap all the battles. That doesn't make any sense. Let's actually um. Start closing up for the episode. And uh, so, where can they find you, James? You can find me at PopcornNet on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find me on Twitter.com at James Forge. And you can find the podcast at Common Ride With Me. Podcast at CommonRideWithMe.com is our email. And you can go to CommonRideWithMe.com for our episodes. Now, um, what happened this episode that I'm not sure if there was a good crime here, honestly. Maybe there's not a crime this time, but um, what the message? leave our fans don't don't run with scissors <laughs> that's my message you all please don't yeah we'll see you later peace